In November, an advisory board examining pathways to a high school diploma in New York recommended to state education officials that they reduce the importance of regents' exams for graduating and instead call for a mix of traditional exams and so-called performance-based assessments. The top recommendations from the Blue Ribbon Commission include consolidating the high school diplomas from three to one and expanding diploma credit requirements. To discuss the recommendations and what comes next in New York, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Angelique Johnson-Dingle, Deputy Commissioner for Instructional Support at the State Education Department and a member of the Blue Ribbon Commission on Graduation. Welcome back to the show, Angelique. Oh, thank you so much, and I'm I'm happy to be here with you. Well, we're looking forward to picking your brain. And to that end, the first question I have is about the commission wanting to move away from the current regents exam requirements to get a high school diploma, which currently consists of passing at least a regents in English, math, science, and social studies. Why is it past time, from the view of the commission, to change that standard? You know, thank you so much for that question. And and one of the things that I would just like to say from the start is that the commission, as I'm sure you are aware, consisted of stakeholders from across the entire state, right? We had parents, we had teachers, we had principals, superintendents, assistant superintendents, school counselors, and most importantly, students and parents, right? So they were a part of this process all the way along. And while I can understand that folks see recommendation number five, which says to reduce and or modify diploma assessment requirements, the idea at the end of that recommendation is to allow more assessment options. One of the things that we've heard loud and clear since we began this journey to look at graduation requirements was the key term of flexibility. Our constituents have shared with us that our students want more flexibility. And it's not that we're trying to get rid of regents exam. That has never ever been an idea that either we have had at the department nor have the commission members expressed that. Their idea is that we should allow students other ways to demonstrate what they know and what they can do. We recognize at the department that the region's exams are a snapshot in time and anything could have gone wrong at the day of or just shortly before that then can alter how well a student can perform. And students are saying that, you know, maybe they know it really well, but when they get to sit down to take that test, they become anxious Our commission members realize that, and and they're saying simply they want the department to explore additional options for students to allow for those to best be able to demonstrate what they've learned all along. The commissioner has said well in in some of our other interviews that even when applying to, for when students are applying to go to college, they don't just simply look at a simple test score, right? They look at all of the different things that that student has engaged in. They look at um, the types of community service that the student has been involved in. They look at the level of courses and the types of courses that students have engaged in. They look at the progress that the student may has made over the time of their high school experience. And, And the commission realizes this and is saying that maybe this is a model we should explore here at the state education department. So to sum that up, I just want to come back to say that it's not about getting rid of the regents exams, 
but it's also recognizing that here in 2023, that there are other ways for children to be able to show what they have learned. And it's something that we need to take a look at here at the department. So while the commission isn't recommending necessarily retiring the regents exams, it definitely is recommending a lack of emphasis on them compared to what we have now. And in terms of how students might demonstrate proficiency in subjects, there's this idea of performance-based assessments uh, as an alternative method of testing, as something that could be done maybe in conjunction with some regents exam requirements. What would those performance-based assessments look like, and why are they preferable to regents exams? No, that's a, that is a great question, and thank you for bringing that forward. One of the things that um, our friends at Westead did was this huge national and international policy scan, and they, sh- and they did the, the, the work of the research and presented it to us to help us understand how other states are using performance-based assessments uh, within their state or their schools. And this is something that the commission members um, were very much interested in. And I will say not just our commission members, also our parents and students who were part of these conversations. We know that there are schools who are already engaged in performance-based assessments. And when you talk to students about what they are able to gain from it, they're excited about learning. The, the ability to apply what you have learned and to, to be able to show that and share that with others, I think is a very powerful tool that students are willing to embrace, that they want to embrace. We just have to provide them the flexibility and the opportunity to be able to do so. You know, recently I've had a family member who was in a hospital and there are a number of doctors who are working um, on that family member. And I am I am happy that in order to become a fully licensed practitioner in the state of New York that that they go through a residency that they that they have to be able to demonstrate that they can do certain things it would not be as okay or i would not necessarily be as comfortable if all they did was learn about it in a class and then simply take a test so i think that it's important that we recognize that asking students to demonstrate what they can do is not a way to reduce rigor, but actually heightens the rigor because you can't just talk about it. You can't just respond to questions on a test. You have to prove it. Well, there are some disagreements though about whether performance-based assessments are always an effective tool. And some people argue they can represent a bona fide challenge. And for other times, there's this idea that they can be an easy way out. So how do you ensure they're the former and not the latter with kids basically setting up uh, some sort of assessment that allows them to kind of game the system, so to speak? That's a very interesting um, perspective. And and I think that is... It's it's a pretty common one in terms of education, people uh, studying these issues. Um, like I said, I think it's an interesting perspective. And um, I, I just want to remind all that these are recommendations based upon what people have shared with us that is important and that um, our next steps are to work with them and others to look to try to figure that out. There are other assessments that do exist that do have performance-based components of it. And we are fully invested in looking to explore 
what are the different options that we can look to implore? Um, it is important that everyone understands that this is not going to happen as of tomorrow or as of next month. We now have to take the step back to understand what this all means. We need to take a step back to do further research, to further engage our school leaders, our parents, our students, and then we will come back and present to the Board of Regents what those options can be for them to further um, give us the green light to move forward with implementation of it. And after a quick break, we'll have more on the findings of a Blue Ribbon Commission examining the pathways to graduating in New York with our guest, Angelique Johnson-Dingle, Deputy Commissioner for Instructional Support at the State Education Department and a member of the Blue Ribbon Commission. Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at WGPFoundation.org. Well, for listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about recommendations from a Blue Ribbon Commission studying the pathways to graduating in New York. And our guest is Angelique Johnson-Dingle, Deputy Commissioner for Instructional Support at the State Education Department and a member of the Blue Ribbon Commission on Graduation, which is recommending a consolidation of high school diplomas, lowering the emphasis on regents exams, and increasing flexibility of course credits. If you do ultimately move away from the regents' exams, or at least move away from them in terms of their current significance, how do you ensure that some schools, when it comes to the implementation of performance-based assessments, aren't imposing standards that are less rigorous than other school districts around the state and therefore producing less meaningful diplomas? Excellent question there. Um, again, that's the work that we will do moving forward. This work does exist in other places. It exists in other industries. And I think that there is a lot that we can learn from others working along other agencies and educational experts, in addition to learning from states that have attempted to do this, to understand some of the struggles that they've experienced will also be an important aspect for us to take into account. Again, anytime you move along a system of change, there are always going to be challenges. There will always be things that we need to be conscious of. And we're fully invested in exploring what those options are and making decisions along with our constituents on what we feel are best. The first recommendation from the commission has to do with the number of diplomas that are offered. Right now, I believe we've got three and the commission is saying to offer one. Why the change? Excellent question. One of the things that we learned through our process of our monthly meetings, not just working 
and hearing from um, some of our institutions of higher education, but also our business and industry leaders, are sometimes folks can be confused when it comes to the local diploma and it can present challenges for students who obtain it in order to move into something else, whether it is college or whether it is into a career. And that was a recommendation that, that they felt very strongly about in listening to some of the students that have struggled. And more importantly, moving to one diploma and increasing the amount of seals actually gives our students the ability to latch on and to really focus on something that they may be really passionate about and allows them to demonstrate their mastery of, of such content. So this is one of the items that, that we're looking forward to continuing to explore and to look to implement. You mentioned confusion surrounding the, the multiple diplomas. Was this confusion for students, for employers, colleges? What was the confusion that was created? Great question. So um, parents, uh, some of the parents that we met with did express that sometimes they were a little unclear on how to achieve each of the three types of diplomas. We've heard from um, uh, from some students that sometimes the local diploma isn't recognized and people outside of New York don't quite understand what that means. And that's where the confusion lies. We have seen over time is just helping people to understand and see how best to help their child if they happen to be a parent. And we're looking to try to reduce barriers that do exist with our current diploma system. From my reading, the report seems to emphasize this idea of giving kids flexibility to choose their own classes, uh, at least to a certain degree. Is that an accurate reading of the, the recommendations? And if so, why is the course flexibility important and what should flexibility look like in practice? If you look through some of the analysis from our parent and student advisory meetings, a common theme, again, of flexibility. Students want the flexibility to learn about different things. Students want flexibilities to take different courses and then at that be able to receive credit for those courses. That's what we're looking to explore and to further understand. The recommendations have been presented as of last week, Monday. And as we shared during that presentation, we will spend the next several months digging into each one of these recommendations to help us understand how they can work within our um, within our systems for us to understand how they intertwine and how they may ultimately affect other regulations that we have in place currently. And that idea of flexibility is something we're still going to look into because we've heard our students clear. And you know, our students are our most important constituents. I mean, it is our responsibility to provide them with an education where they feel prepared to move into the next level, whether it is them going to college, whether or whether it is them going into a career or them going into the military. It's our job to make them prepared. And if we speak to students who have 
exited our K-12 system. And they're telling us that these are some of the things that I wish I had the opportunity to learn, or this is a skill that I wish I had learned when I was still in high school. I do think it's important for us to, to listen to that and to see and figure out how we can provide that experience for those students. We want to make sure they're prepared. We want to make sure that they're successful. And if flexibility is one way that they're sharing with us that we can help get them to that point, then that's what I think we're going to take a, a really strong look at. Well, when we talk about curriculum flexibility, does that mean allowing students to really double down on a narrow set of classes that they're interested in? Or does it mean giving them the flexibility to take on a wider berth of classes that might not necessarily have counted uh, toward a graduation pathway in the past? Yeah, it could be either or. That's why I responded and, and, and shared ultimately that it is our job now to take a look at this. We don't have the how figured out just yet. It was the commission's members tasked to tell us the what, what it is that they think we should do. Now it's our work to figure out how we move forward with that. And those are the things we're exploring. So it could possibly be that we expand the amount of courses that students are allowed to take for credit. Or it could just simply mean that students are able to focus their track. Those, that's what we're looking at now and, and, and trying to figure out. Well, conversely, you know, you're talking about credit flexibility. There's also this recommendation from the commission that there be credit requirements on specific topics like civic responsibility, cultural competence, financial literacy, things that you know are not part of uh, any requirement to graduate now. Would these be new course requirements or would the subjects be embedded into other classes? It could be managed either way. We already have districts who are requiring financial literacy currently across New York State. As you know, at the State Education Department, we set the minimum for what districts must require of their students to graduate from high school. And our school districts can add on to those options and, and what those requirements are. And whether or not it's an individual course or whether it is embedded into another course is, is, again, something else that we will look to explore working with our schools, working with our teacher unions, um, our PTAs, and of course, our students and parents to see what would be the best way for that to happen. We do recognize that if we create it as a course that districts have to provide, then that does have funding um, implications, right? And we understand that could present a challenge for some of our districts. We were very grateful to see the state controller endorse this idea around financial literacy and to support the work of the recommendations. And again, something else that we're looking to explore. Well, I'm glad you brought up the issue of funding because some of the things we've talked about, these buzzwords like flexibility and you know, these personalized performance assessments are things that cost more than the status quo. So is the state only going to be able to implement some of these recommendations if there are increases in funding, either at the local, state or federal level? Absolutely. Without a question, there are certain recommendations within the commission's report that will require additional funding. The goal I know of the commissioners is to work with 
our friends across the street and the legislators and, and the governor's office who have received copies of this report. And we will request that funding. We will look to try to help districts understand how maybe they can possibly repurpose some of the funding that is already in place. There is so much work that still needs to be done around this. And I am absolutely elated about the positive feedback that we've received along the way um, in regards to these recommendations, but there is still a lot of uh, hard work that needs to be done. And while we don't have every single answer today about how this will come to fruition, it, it was a goal of ours. And, it, and again, it will not happen tomorrow and it may not happen at the end of the month. But as we shared, we will work to advocate for the funding to help these recommendations move to a phase where they're actually implemented in our schools. The commission is recommending that there be some exemptions for the graduation requirements uh, in the case of, say, a traumatic life event like the death in a family. So what sort of trauma could be considered and why does it make sense for the kids who have gone through these types of traumatic experiences to just sort of move them along? Thank you for that question. One of the things that um, weighs heavy on our hearts is if we hear um, at times that um, we unfortunately have children that may be in chemotherapy, if we have children that are uh, very sick, um, and if they're not able to sit for the regent's exam, um, our only response to them according to regulations is that they can sit for the next regent's exam. And um, when our commission members um, and our parents shared with us how inhumane they, they felt that that could, that could be viewed as, and they wanted us to explore options on how we could provide an exemption from the assessment requirements that are currently in place. As I'm sure you're aware, uh, we are one of maybe eight states that actually require students to pass an exam to graduate from high school. And if a child is going through um, a significant life event or if they are ill, um, again, we still have to flesh this out. Um, our commission members felt that it was important to allow for an exemption for that. If New York was to scale back the reliance on the region's exams to graduate, what would that mean for the state's compliance with uh, the federal Every Student Succeeds Act, which I believe sets a threshold of 95% for students uh, taking statewide assessments? And I don't believe we're currently hitting that number. So is there concerns about even falling further behind uh, on that metric? No, currently right now, um, uh, with the 95% um, participation rule does exist as part of our ESSA requirements. Currently, ESSA requires students to take at least three statewide standardized assessments in English, math, and science. And, and that is part of what is required of us. We exist right now in, in, in this world where we are able to converse and listen to and hear from what our parents and students are saying. Um, we hear from students on a regular basis. I love the fact that they 
are their own advocates for what they feel they best need. We receive letters from some students. We receive emails from some of our parents and they share with us ultimately, you know, their concerns with some of the things that are required of us. Now we are committed to fulfilling our ESSA plan, but again, it is now our job to take these recommendations to shift through them and explain to the public how we can put these um, recommendations in, into place. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Angelique Johnson-Dingle. She's Deputy Commissioner for Instructional Support at the State Education Department. Uh, Angelique, thank you so much for making the time. And don't worry, we'll have you back real soon. Oh, I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.